We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. I don't think I want to do anything that doesn't have a polarizing effect anymore. I feel like the nature of art, you know, you don't walk out of a, a museum and love all the paintings, you know what I'm saying? And I kind of feel like someone told me today that what we do as TV writers, we forget some time, or you know, entertainment writers, we forget some time, it's art. It's art with a small A. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel mm-hmm. like um, the nature of art and the whole point of art is to start a conversation. If you walk out of a movie after seeing a movie, and you guys just walk out and say, you want to do something to eat? That movie was a failure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if it didn't have any, it starts no conversation. You have nothing to say about it. It's, it was not, a, you know, the, the art that is most impactful is the art that sort of starts the conversation and sticks with you. Why is this show so polarizing? I don't know. You know, I got into it. Uh, no, I got into it. But we had, a, I, Charlemagne said the show was whack on, you know, they were talking about show, Charlemagne said it was whack. And I actually like Charlemagne. And, you know, and I feel like he's whack sometimes, too, but, <laughs> but I feel like I like Charlemagne, but we texted in a really respectful way, you know, and he said, he was like, you know, I'm not, we're not monolithic. I know we're not monolithic, but I don't, I don't know any black people like this. This isn't black people know. And I'm like, Charlemagne, do you not, not only know any black people like this, do you also not know what monolithic means? Because <laughs> the idea of saying we're not monolithic, but I don't know any black people like that is counterintuitive. You know, the right. notion of, I think that's what gets so many people is that, the idea of like what blackness is, is has been so for so many of us put into a singular lane and like you have to try to fit in that lane we are beyond not as a singular lane and i feel like most of us cross over and we're zigzagging on that freeway you know what i'm saying of all the different lanes of what it means to be black every day all day of our lives and i feel like that's what this this show at its heart was it's like we're zigzagging across the freeway of like what it means to be black in every kind of way. And I also think it's really important to see us in different modes. You know what I'm saying? I think it's important to see someone who who's, has achieved some level of success and, and still battles with the same things that he did when he didn't have it. It's important to see, just as important as it is to see the struggle. You know what I'm saying? It's important to see someone in a really good marriage just as important as it is for someone who's like, I can't get a man. You know, I think that, you know, the notions of taking us out of our usual environments is important to progress the culture forward. Kenya Barris is the man behind Black AF on Netflix, one of my favorite shows on TV right now. Yes, it's polarizing, but to me, it's funny, it's smart, and I just love that Barris family. In this in-depth convo about the show, we hear about him making it, about putting authenticity into your writing, and why he wants to make sure that his work stays polarizing and noisy going forward. 
This is the Patreon era of Torrey's show. So you can get half of this conversation for free. And the back half, go to patreon.com slash show where you'll get more of me and Kenya and exclusives like me and Malcolm Gladwell and Neil deGrasse Tyson and Joy Bryant and others. Right now, it's Kenya Barris on Torrey's show. Thank you so much for... Your time. I love the show. Thanks, Owen. It's so much fun. It's so smart. It's so er ironic and and irreverent. And, uh, (laughs) you know, it's uh, it's half past PJ. You know, it's PJ time. Yeah, you're killing me. You're killing me. Um, Take it back to the beginning. What's the initial concept for the show? Where'd you start? Um, I knew when I went to to Netflix. I was like, I wanted to, you know, I, I know I wanted to do a family show. I, I, that's what I, I was like, sort of stay in your lane, at least to the first thing out for sure. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, having done it for so long and all those types of things, I also was starting to feel the sort of need for a reboot. You know what I'm saying? As much as I love modern, as much as I love all the amazing family shows, I was like, we need to, you know, reboot. and if you're going to do a family show on Netflix, like it feels like it needed to be loud and it needs to be a little bit different. And the whole point of like Netflix and sort of their oh ethos is like be as sort of authentic or vert, you know. And so we had an actor set to do it. We kind of felt like it would feel like, isn't there already a show with an actor about your life and things like that? And I was like, you know what, there's some stuff I want to say that I don't want to put in an actor's mouth anyway, because I wouldn't want to put that shit on them. Um, and I wanted to do something that felt like um, more... Autobiographical in some aspects, you know what I'm saying? And at the same time, just to show, sort of show a different version of what we've seen us be. Um, and at the same time, much more honest to my own dysfunction as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you, where is quote unquote Kenya the same as real Kenya to where you were like, don't put that in an actor's mouth. I, I need to put that on me because that's me. Um, I think a few, you know, I mean, a, a lot of places, you know what I'm saying? This, this, the, the, the version of like, we don't, a lot of times the sort of sardonic, sarcastic nature of the character, you know I'm saying like, you know, unless you're going like a George Jefferson route where that was sort of a, you know, a, a, a little bit of a heightened version of, I, I feel like that wasn't something that I felt comfortable with an actor having to say some of the things I said, like, you know, I fucking hate white people. Of course, I don't hate. Of course, I don't hate white people as a culture. You know what I'm saying? But I think the top dog, underdog nature of what it was really, I was really trying to say was, I hate these the sort of version that the the mainstream world has put me constantly in. You know what I'm saying? As a black person, as we've you know seen from every you know from W.B. Dubois to fucking Spooku sat behind it, like the idea of that duality that we have to sort of always question ourselves it's sort of an American thing. You know what I'm saying? And that was, that's not something I'd be comfortable necessarily having an actor say if they understand everything I meant behind it and what that, that was going to be sort of the whole point of the show in some aspects. Um, and it wasn't really an, a, an out, outlash of white people at large. It was sort of an outlash of the system and all that type of stuff. I mean, there's definitely a discussion of blackness and what it means to be blackness when you bring in the painting, the adultification, like all these different sort of message moments, which is similar on Blackish, but this goes 
harder with those sort of things. And some people are like, some people are like, you know, that's like the white gaze coming in. And I'm like, no, I think it's a conversation about, the show is a conversation about blackness meant to be had with black people and white people can watch, but you're not like stopping to explain it for white people. What do you think about, about that part of the conversation around the show? I, I feel like it was my, it was, first of all, I am not in any way, shape or form every black person's, you know what I'm saying, amplifier. You know, I am speaking about my point of view and, and, and my opinion and this character's you know, opinion and trying to have as many different series that happen so that we can sort of have an open dialogue and I will make sure they disagree with them. And, and I think the, the notion of any writing, you know what I'm saying, and especially when you're talking about a, a, a television that doesn't give context in some aspects, you sort of, you know, put yourself in a position where you might lose the viewer. You mm. know what I'm saying? And sometimes I think you get, I don't know, a normal show has 20, 24 episodes. I'm doing 24, sometimes more. We had eight. And so the idea that you don't have a lot of time to sort of catch up and play and understand what's going on, context is king. You know, and I, I'm a big fan of, um, you know, explaining why. Because as much as I might want to say, well, you guys get it, you know what I'm saying? You understand. But maybe they don't, you know what I'm saying? And maybe, you know, maybe someone doesn't understand and maybe someone black doesn't understand and maybe someone, whatever. I feel like I'm, I, I really feel like, yo, know, I'm not going to ever, I want white people to watch my show. You know what I'm saying? I want everybody to watch it. And I feel like, it, but I'm not doing it for white people or for, you know, I'm doing it for my culture and for my, my sensibility and for what I feel like I want to, the story message I want to put out there. But I feel like, I think it's counterintuitive for me to say that I don't want others to view our art. That's how we grow. And so the notion of trying to make that something that opens the conversation up for everybody is really, really, really important in everything I've done. Where did you hit upon the notion of let's just name every episode because of slavery you know, or, or variation of that sentence? Because um, when that hit me, I was like, wow, that's hysterical. And yet real. Everything does boil down. One to of slavery. My family, I really one of my family members, you know, um, Judy Sampson gave me a book some time ago called Post Traumatic Stress uh, Slave Disorder. Mm-hmm. And it talks about, you know, really sort of hit some amazing points for me. But it really was, I feel like, the nature of African-Americans being enslaved for over 400 years in this country. Right? The nature that they say it takes two to three generations for things to normalize. Right? We were in a generation 11, 12 years, I think. So we were in, in slavery for almost 40 generations. You know what I'm saying? The notion that we're supposed to normalize and not have any effects from that sort of generational trauma. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course, every, you know, so many things that's, like I, I said it joking, jokingly, I was like, it's my North Star. But I really do feel like so many things I can drive back and really find a clear path to say, yeah, we, I think we'd say we might have something to do with that with us. I think that it's, it is a, a recessive scar, not just for our people, but for the, for the country. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of your culture, like slave, and we need to not forget that. We need to not understand that the greatest human, you know, atrocity 
you know, ha- that has happened is still the, the, the victims of that are, have been free in this country much less time than we were enslaved. And the idea that we're not supposed to think that that still has some reverberating effects on most of our actions is, to me, you know, crazy. Um, do you think that Kenya, Kenya on the show, do you think he's a bad dad? I think he's a dad. I mean, I think it's a sitcom show. You know, it's a, it's a comedy. So I think some of that shit, like, I've wanted to tell my daughter many times, keep doing that, somebody's going to fuck you up. <laughs> I've never probably said those no exact words, but I've wanted to say it. And I also believe that, <laughs> and I also believe that that's kind of, if you think about it, you know, I think most of us, it's, it's weird because I, you know, I'll sort of like poll a lot of my friends. And I'll say, like, do you spank your kids? And most of us don't. And then I'll say, well, where are you spanked? And most of us were. Right, exactly. The notion of getting spanked was exactly your parents saying that. Like, I'm doing this so that it doesn't happen to you outside. <laughs> I'm giving you a survivable ass whooping so that you don't get it, an unsurvivable one outside. You know what I'm saying? From what you've done, whether it's something that's going to cause you great harm or someone else cause you great harm. Like, the idea of that was something that I feel like is embedded inside the character's words and whatever. But I think, you know, I also wanted to make people laugh and I wanted to make a character that felt a little bit more heightened. Um, so I, the answer is no, I don't think he's a bad dad. I think he's trying. I think some of the things that he says are, you know, for, for laughs, but I don't think he's a bad there's, dad. there's definitely moments when I'm like, I would do that. Like I would give my kids $200 <laughs> to make the argument and then snatch it back at the end. What you going to do with $200? <laughs> You're 10 years old. No, you don't get cheap $200. Um, Joya is an awesome character. And her oh, whole thing about, you know, name no. the Ab 5, name the Jackson 5, name the, can you stand the rain? Can you stop the rain? And just like the pain of like, you know, I can't prove myself enough to black people. Um, I feel that. Right. I feel that. And I know so many people who right. are like, that is real for even in middle age. Um, she's a pretty exciting character. Yeah, and I think that Rashida did it in a way no one else. I mean, she was pitch perfect. You know, um, her ability as a writer, um, as it, it, it affects her comprehension of the words. And she gets in between the lines and is able to bring that alive as a character in a way that I don't think most people could. Um, and, and I think that that was, you know, it wasn't something that we, you know, I think in, in Blackish, it was a, a joke that we did in the pilot, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I think Tracy said, tell it, if I'm not all black, tell it to my ass or whatever. Um, but it was, a, we had a lot longer runway to sort of play with that, you know, so we didn't hit it that much in, in this, but we definitely felt like to let, you know, the audience know that like she, this is something she battles with and she deals with and she's always trying to sort of like, you know, my wife was, you know, talking about when she was in junior high, she had the asymmetrical cut and the bamboo earrings. And you know what I'm saying? She went, you know, like you, choose, she was explaining to me, like as a biracial kid, you choose one way or the other. And you're usually like, Oh my God, like you're super, you go super white or you go, you know, because you're trying, she was desperately trying to sort of prove one way or the other. So I think the idea of t- touching on, moments of that and making that character trait was something we're trying to do. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick... 
Let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. If you love Torrey's show and you miss the days of me talking about politics on MSNBC, and really, who doesn't? Then check out my other podcast, Democracy-ish, where I sit with Danielle Moody-Mills and argue and strategize about the 2020 race from a black and progressive perspective. You need to see a video to believe white supremacy is real and what happens in this country? Then fuck you. You can find Democracy-ish wherever podcasts are streamed. All right, back to Torrey's show. I wonder if for some people calling it black AF threw them off because they're like, that doesn't look like black AF to me because they're wealthy, they curse, they don't spank, this and that. And they're like, well, Martin was black AF. And I'm like, well, first of all, black AF is whatever it is to you. And to think you can't be black AF in a gigantic house is insane, you know, with a freaking range outside. And I mean, there's an irony to that name that was important. You know what I'm saying? You saw it as ironic. Absolutely, 100%. At the same time, I wanted it to be noisy, you know? And I felt like at first I was really bothered by the criticism because it's the most polarizing thing I've ever done. 
And I've had people who tell me I love it. And I've had a lot of people tell me I hate it. More, more people tell me they like it. They don't, but I, it, it changed me. And the, how it changed me is that I now, in receiving this, actually, because a lot of things that I've done have been received well, but they've been kind of down the middle a little bit. Afterward, they became down the middle. Blackish was the same thing. I first people were like, oh my God, this title and this family, I'm saying like, but then it became received and was sort of it normalized it. I, I don't think I want to do anything that doesn't have a polarizing effect anymore. I feel like the nature of art, you know, you don't walk out of a, a museum and love all the paintings. You know what I'm saying? And I kind of feel like someone told me today that what we do as TV writers, we forget sometimes, or you know, entertainment writers, we forget sometimes it's art. It's art with a small A. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel mm-hmm. like um, the nature of art and the whole point of art is to start a conversation. If you walk out of a movie after seeing a movie and you guys just walk out and say, you want to get something to eat? That movie was a failure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if it didn't have any, it, is, it starts no conversation. You have nothing to say about it. It's, it was not, a, you know, the, the art that is most impactful is the art that sort of starts a conversation and sticks with you. I think in episode five, you really dig into that perhaps in the most aggressive way and sort of the schisms between you know, the Kenya character believes one thing and the people around him another. And you're like, like, am I wrong? Or is this whack or what's going on? And I, I feel like I've had that argument, like with my wife, with other people, like, yeah. like that is a piece of shit. And they're like, but I like that Tyler Perry movie or I like that freaking right. whatever movie. Like I just like, yeah, but it's nothing compared to the new Tarantino epic. And like, I didn't like that. And I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. That's- and that's a real thing. And I was, I'm on the other side of, of that argument often, but like who, you know, I, I used Adam Sandler as, and you know, Adam Sandler, who I actually enjoy quite a lot, but, you know, I think that people who sort of, if you're going to be sort of a, a critic of art might say that some of Adam Sandler's comedies aren't high art, but people like Adam Sandler. But when Adam Sandler puts out Jack and Jill, he's not destroying white culture or Jewish culture. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But if some, someone acts like if, you know, Tyler Perry does a Medea movie, he's destroying black culture. Even though so many people I go go no go to those movies and not going and liking them because they're black movies or because they're Tyler Perry movies, they actually like the movie. And what does their opinion not count? We're going to say that they're they're what they what brings them joy is not real. They're wrong. That's insane. He's 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 got a Kaepernick shirt on, and a chain, and a Range Rover, and a big Knowledge Bennett painting at his Juneteenth celebration. And you're saying he's not black because he's got a big house and doesn't worry about the bills? It's, it's, what, what are we talking about? It is to me, and I want to have this conversation, I want people to sort of, they, I, I purposely didn't really do interviews and things like this when it was first coming on because I didn't want to, I didn't want to influence the conversation. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to sort of, and what I started noticing is that the internet ate itself. I think the, the conversation needs to be had of we can't define blackness for for each other. The thing that, you know, that's a, a, a way that we're of living, that we all are living in our own skin, and we have to go out into the world and live it every day. And I think the idea of, you know, like there was a big talk about colorism, you know, and, you know, I, I think a lot of people didn't know it was actually based on my family. If you looked at my family, you know, I, I understand, and I understand that colorism as well. People experience that every day in a really fucked up way. I saw a really funny joke um, somebody had a picture of Drake's kid up and they were like, is it me or does Drake's kid seem like it was produced by Kenya Barris? And I was like, <laughs> and I, was like I wrote the person who, a stranger, I was like, well played, very funny. But I feel like 
words like that used when I, as a black man, are doing a show about black culture to push the culture forward. Words like that, I don't want to really get into the conversation or argument or start defending and telling, saying who I've cast or what I've done or that most of my career has been about this. Of course, I'm not a colorist. You know what I'm saying? You look at my family, you know, down the road and be like, how, you know, how is that even possible? With that being said, everyone doesn't know that, but I don't want to, and it's, it's fine if we have that conversation internally, but I'm not going to have that out for others to see us dividing and conquer, dividing and being conquered from within. You know, also, uh, Kenya and Joya are very thoughtful and active about their blackness, about how they're performing it, having the argument with the assistant and the moment of like, my kids are not learning blackness in the way that I am. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. a big moment of the show. Like stink. You don't think you don't consider like you don't put black as one of your adjectives. And she's like, no. And it seems almost like the difference between us as Gen Xers and the Zoomers who are like, that's not central to the way I see myself. Deal with it, Dad. I feel like that's a real conversation. You know what I'm saying? And it, it doesn't have to be because the kids are light skinned. They could have it, you know, could have said it in general. And I feel like it's something that I really was pretty adamant about that I want to have those type, types of things. Like we were talking about, she and I were talking about season two yesterday. And I was like, I don't even want to think about it right now because I really, really, those conversations are truly, truly organic. You know what I'm saying? And there's really some things that sort of like are, I spend a lot of time trying to be as authentic as I can be. And at the same time, say something that I don't feel like has been said, but I think is important. You know, and right now, like I just, I'm really having a hard time dealing with, you know, Ahmad and the things happening in the, in the kid, you know, in, in Brunswick and, and what's happening. I, mean, I was actually, Ben Crump is a friend of mine and, and just seeing that the way they took and treated that human being, a 25-year-old kid, the way that if I took a squirrel and you saw me with a shotgun in the middle of the street, shoot a squirrel and walk through with the, that kind of bravado, I'd do it. I'd at least go to jail for a second. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I feel like that's a human being. And if we hadn't, you know, Sean, I think Sean King put the video, or so I think it was part of him when he put the video out or whatever, but we united and put it up and that made all of a sudden justice start, the, the process of justice even start to be, you know, put into motion. I feel like, why does that have to, why? This is a human being who was struck, who was shot in the chest with a shotgun in the middle of the street and this part, these people were not arrested. You know what I'm saying? And so the idea of like, I have to let that sit with me. I have to let how, how I feel about that. I want to find the thing to talk about with that that feels not typical, not sort of thing, but I, I, what is the real message? And I, I really feel like you have to sort of let it metabolize with inside of you and, and sit and hear the conversations and hear, um, hear it back in your head. And, and, and how is there a way to put that within a comedy? And that's the, that's the real challenge of all these things. You know what I'm saying? When I, on Blackish, we did a, Juneteenth episode and people and people too and people are like, well, he did this episode already. I'm like, I'm going to do it again on another show <laughs> because I really believe Pharrell I and I actually are doing a I've been saying forever. We have a play where I'm, we're supposed to do for Broadway. I believe Juneteenth is one of the most important you know days in this country's history. You know because we really were never released from slavery, but at least that was the day we were supposed to be released from slavery. And how could there really be an Independence Day? You know if we, everyone wasn't independent. And I, so I want to have that conversation on everything that I, 
I do. So I don't want to, the, the critics were like, or he did that already. Yeah, I did it already. I'm gonna, there's a, a version of this that I'm going to say again and talk about it again. So I, I really want to try and have conversations that I feel like are interesting and might start, might start a debate, but ultimately will make you think and laugh. I mean, some of that we're touching on is the blackness conversation that the parents are really going through. One of the other big themes is from Drea, who is a fantastic character and a great actress. Her just faces quite often just make the moment. Um, She's amazing. But her whole thing as a character of like, where am, I as a, where am I as a filmmaker? And do you show the burning person and get the shot? Or do you put water on them and save the human <laughs> being and don't get the shot, right? But yeah. it's like her family and like, how much of the arguing of my family do I... And that makes it more than just like a comedy, but like, you know, there's actual like, you know, there's an actual artiste sort of trying to figure out like, what do we show and what do we not show? Because this is pretending to be, a, a, you know, realism. Yeah, Alison McDonald wrote that line, and, and it's, she's a really, really smart uh, writer. And, you know, the idea of that this kid, and who really is sort of, in some aspects, really drawn from my daughter, Leah, who's 18, the notion that like, that was one of the differences of this show is I wanted to see from a viewer's, uh, inside viewer's point of view, she's looking at her family. You know what I'm saying? And what must it be like to be the kid who's sort of like, She's a little bit of a Daria-esque sort of over this you know, type of kid or whatever, but to see this life that's going on and really sort of have a, a different observational view of it. Um, Iman Benson plays that. Like, she did, and um, she, the way she was able to really, because that's not who she is at all, but, and the way she was able to really sort of take a point of view and see her family both for its flaws and for the love it had, you know what I'm saying, is, is really, really important to, I think, the heart and with the, the point where we want to do with the show. We want to just make sure that it, it, it were viewed as a flawed but loving family. Well, the key point that she keeps going back to is the, the you should be scared when they stop arguing, yeah. right? Because there's always going to be conflict in family, but when they give up, then you've reached the end. And yes. That's really interesting. I think just, you know, as a family person, quite often you're like, ah, we fight, you know, I wish we didn't fight. But like fighting is inevitable among human beings. Just fear not fighting. You can't crave a pack or clan or crew and not understand that that's, there's going to be disruption within that. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's what makes, it's the heartbeat of the, of the of thing is disruption. The idea that it lets you know you're alive. You know, I, I always play around, um, Sometimes I'll, I'll zigzag my car when you know, my kids aren't paying and they'll like, their eyes will pop up. And I'll, I'll turn back and I'll go, you feel that rush? And I'm like, you're alive. <laughs> like, you need to sometimes feel like you're not going to be alive to appreciate being alive. You know what I'm saying? So it's, You sound like it's, Fight Club when he crashes on purpose to feel alive. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes we need to fucking feel alive, you know? Um, and you need to, you know, feel, feel your heart pump. So I feel like that, Sometimes those arguments, some of the best friends I've had started because I didn't like them. And we had a big debate and, and I really sort of ended up having a lot of respect for that person. I'm like, you know, that is, you know, in a, in a family, some, you, know, you need to have arguments to get closer sometime. Mm-hmm. I and think we've all been in those houses when people aren't talking. That's not cool. No, that when, when the argument is silent, we just hate each other silently. Yes. <laughs> like, 
I don't want to be around yes. them. Like they're really bad at each other. Yes. Um, I yes. think one of the greatest moments in the series is the sort of TV film creator summit, uh, you know, where you pull together, mm-hmm. you know, Issa and Tim and Will and uh, uh, Ava and um, Lena. And it's this awesome moment that, of course, you know, crumb, crumbles down on you. Like, let, you know, let's, let's bond over <laughs> shared hatred of my career. Like, let's go, let's actually go offline <laughs> and diss him behind his back instead of to his face. Um, talk about what you were going for in that moment. Was it, was it scripted or was it improvised? Or some of it seems improvised. No, that was, that was, that was scripted. I think Lena definitely hit some gems that were <laughs> improvised, especially her, um, you, get, you know, life supply, life, life long supply of cocoa butter. Right. You know what I'm saying things she was talking about in the, but um, no, that was absolutely scripted, and, and we, you know, the everyone who took part in that really, you know, in some aspects, went off, you know, to the point. But really, we we were talking in a way that felt true to who we were. You know, what I'm saying, and honest, and the, the, the nature of that came from, I don't know, I think it's I, I want to, I'm going to probably say something. I think it's Wesley Morris, but it was an article in the New York um, New York or New York Times about sort of black criticism that I really that I read it. Um, Issa and Insecure was a, a big part of it. It also was a conversation I was having with a friend and I was like, you know, so often, you know, we can talk about who our favorite point guard is, right? And it doesn't hurt, you know, that point guard to its good because whoever we're saying our favorite point guard is, because as Blacks, we are, have reached a level of, you know, potency in the NBA where it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, we are, we are the NBA. Or we can say, I like... Drake over Meek Mill, it doesn't affect their career because, you know, there's enough of us as rappers. But it's hard to, um, you know, because we're still sort of nascent in entertainment, you know what I'm saying, in film and TV, it's hard, thank you, it's hard to um, really sort of be honest and, crit- and critique ourselves because we're looked at like we're hurting the movement or we're going to cause. But I really feel like the idea, Jerry Bruckheimer and Michael Bay could have been on a panel together and Jerry Bruckheimer can say, I'm sorry, Michael, I didn't blow something up. And it doesn't make either of them seem like less of a boss. It actually makes them feel like they're more, you know, enriched in, in whatever they're doing because they can be honest about, um, about um, their craft. But I feel like that's what, I, what the whole point of that was to say, like, we're getting to the point where there's starting to be enough of us and we're starting to have product and have, you know, do it on a level that we want to push the conversation and the culture forward that we should be able to talk about each other and these things in an honest way. And, and I still don't think we should tear, like I was talking about, there's a difference between criticizing and critiquing and tearing down. I don't think we're at the tearing down place yet um, because as much as people, as people may want to have, you know, something to say negative and criticism about, 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 black, about black AF, what they really do need to know, especially in black culture, is that you kind of want it to work, even if you don't like it. Because if that show works and you don't like it, it leaves much more space for your show to come on and for you to be able to have your, your point of view. You know, so there's a way to critique it and criticize it and be honest and you know, thoughtful conversation and not tear it down so that we can continue to push each other forward. Because the biggest problem with all this is, and why I understand and accept all the criticism, is that there's not enough of us. And so when when something comes on, everyone feels... What does eating healthy mean to you? 
Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrivemarket.com slash Torrey on March 16th 2000 two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta Jamil Alamin a Muslim leader and former black power activist was convicted but the evidence was shaky and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial my name is Mosi Secret and when I started investigating this case in my hometown I uncovered a dark truth about America from Tinderfoot TV Campside Media and iHeart Podcasts Radical is available now Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Feels like it represents them and their exact story in some aspects. And if it doesn't, it's offensive. But if there were more lanes, there would be something for them where they wouldn't maybe feel so bad about that show or they, they feel better about the thing that they really like. So we need more creators of color. We need more voices of color. We need more voices of change no matter where it's coming from that give everyone a, a lane for them to sort of have you know see themselves re- you know represented in the world well okay you got a huge platform with netflix you can do pretty much whatever you want what is your as a tv creator what is your responsibility to black people and the black images that you're putting out to never be malicious i think that's one thing to never be malicious um, and to try to be as honest as possible. I think that's really important to try to be as honest as possible, to not be malicious, even if it's saying something pejorative, do it in a way that you're doing it because you want to earnestly improve or try to say that there's a better version of this for us to sort of grow from in this character's point of view. Um, you know, and to provide jobs to provide representation, um, to forward the conversation and open the doors for that next generation of people and creators, actors, cast, crew, whatever, to sort of say they have something that got them in the door so that they could tell their story or feed their families and make people feel better about themselves than they did or feel, feel better, enhance their life, enrich their lives in a different way than before they started watching. Okay. So it was the hardest scene to pull off. Um, I think the hardest scene for me was when Joy and I ha- were having like a, over fight. Daniel Caesar, we were having a conversation. We had like a real a, a fight about how I felt about what she was doing in her life and how she felt about how I, how I was handling her. I think that really hit home for me personally. Before and, the um, vacation or during the vacation? Before the vacation. Right. You know yeah, that was, yeah, that's hard to watch. It was, it was, and it was very, very, 
real. It was definitely torn. It was, there was a, you know, I've been going through my own divorce and my own things, and it was definitely torn. It was cathartic for me to be able to make this series at this point in my life, but it was really hard. You know, a lot of those things were real moments and real, you know, things that my wife and I shared. Um, and it was, you know, it reminded me of like, oh man, there was so much sadness. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that you can feel in a marriage sometime. You know what I'm saying? You can feel so close, but yet so far from someone you really care about. You know what I'm saying? And, and this is what marriage is sometimes. You know what I'm saying? We don't, we don't agree. And this is not a moment we're going to agree on. And we can either decide that we can live with this disagreement and I can hear where you're coming from and you can hear where I'm coming from and we can maybe talk about it, but it may not change. Are we going to be able to continue on with this? Um, so that, and it was, it's, it's also as not being, I'm not an actor, you know, a trained actor. I should say I'm not an actor because I did it, but I'm not a, so that was a really sort of emotional, emotive scene. And, it, and I'm doing it with, with someone who's so good in Rashida. It was, it was the hardest performance and personally for me. It's a great scene. It's hard to watch because it does get really like just scratchy Itchy. and noisy and icky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, there is an authenticity in the way that they fight. It's not, you know, like broad, right? Like some of the comedy is broad, like that is not broad. It is, you know, nails on the chalkboard. So you're doing a comedy. Why do we stop to have this big, nasty fight? And there's like because no we don't, because funny they at don't all do in that. it. Because we don't get to do that in comedy. And that's something I wanted to say, like, you know, tragedy and comedy go together. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you need the sweet with the sour. And, you know, I, I feel like not only was it like a moment of, you know, of like ickiness, and, 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 but it was also long. And I could have cut it, and, and, but I was like, I want to live in this moment. And I, it could have been the wrong thing to do. But, you know, I feel like, oh, dude, like... The idea that Netflix gave me a chance to really try something, you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I had a canvas that I could paint on and someone didn't tell me how, how gooey my, my brush strokes had to be or not be. And I could sort of take and, and say that I really want you know, this to sort of, this stroke to sort of have color and, and, and thickness to it. I, I felt like, why not try it? Who knows when I'll ever get a chance to do it again? So what was, you said the show was cathartic. What was cathartic about it for you doing this whole season? Um, I, I feel like most of my writing in general is cathartic for me because I feel like you, that's what we get to do as writers is kind of work through our shit. You know what I'm saying? You know, in the writer's room and on the page and all this. But in general, this, that episode, particular, we talk about the argument, but that, this thing, I, I looked at myself as a father. I looked at my relationship. I looked at my relation to America, my relation to success. I looked at my relations, relationship to blackness. Um, you know, I, 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 my father, I, at the time I didn't know, but I just lost my dad two months ago. Sorry. There's a moment that, I, you know, my dad is here and I'm like, I wish that I could have had that conversation for real, that moment and those, those moments again with my, my dad. So I feel like there was a lot of moments and that I had to look at my relationship with my, my family, my extended family and things like that. And you know, Phil Morris comes to play, plays my dad. And I felt like in watching it back, my dad had passed after the show came on. And I was like, oh my God, I, I want that moment. You know I'm saying I never really had quite that relationship with my father. And that was a lot of the relationship I would like to have had with my father. And I was, you know, working through that. You know what I'm saying with 
what it would be, you know what I'm saying, and, and who it was. And so a lot of that was sort of like instrumental, sort of me get pushing back past things and, and, you know, looking at my own life. What is the, so you're a TV writer. What is the, what is the difference between good TV writing and great TV writing? Um, in my opinion, I feel like great writing, film, TV, literature, poetry, feels like something new. It feels like, and it's and it, not so new that it's foreign, but not so familiar that it's immediately derivative. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm a huge ta Coates fan. And it, it's fresh and it's original, but at the same time, I see the Baldwinness. I see the James Baldwin in ta But what ta yeah. did to make me feel like it, was, it wasn't just derivative was that he was talking to his son. He was talking about a family. He was talking about his relationship to education with a black university and rap. And, you know, it felt new enough and fresh enough to feel like this is great writing. You know what I'm saying? I feel like in television or films, you know, you want things to feel like I haven't, I haven't quite seen this done this way and it's satiating and it feels like it pushed, you know, like Wes Anderson. I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm a huge Spike fan of Spike Lee as a director and a writer. I feel like, I am probably what I what I am because of Spike, um, but also because of Woody Allen. For, I, I'm not supposed to say Woody Allen, but also because of Woody Allen, because it was, as a satirist, there's you know, it's hard to sort of compare. You know, but I had not seen a black guy be as black as Spike was and talk about black shit in the way that he did, but do it in a way that it could be taken in by everyone. You know what I'm saying? But not doing, like you said, like he wasn't doing it for white folks or for, you know, he, but he was doing it to say, I want to do this at a high level. I do, I do see the Woody Allen influence, especially in, in Black AF, a little bit more than the Spike influence. Um, mm-hmm. can, can you just talk about some of the other sort of creative fathers and mothers who you think are really influencing this particular piece for you? Like this project? Um, always, always for me, Baldwin. You know what I'm saying? Always for me, Baldwin. Um, I think I'm a huge Malcolm Gladwell fan. Yes, who is it? I think think the way that he's able to take seemingly random things that are floating around in the air and aggregate them into, I told him this, like into like sheet music. You know what I'm saying? And then play a tune that you're like, oh, that was what was floating around. And now you see ketchup differently. You know, now you understand. And so the idea of, of that for me is, is very influential in sort of what I do and what I want to do. Thanks so much to Kenya for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montez, Jason Reynolds, and Gerviel Calais. Join us over at patreon.com slash show to get more of me in Kenya and to get an extra episode every Friday only for Patreon subscribers. 
Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. Find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and next Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.